Welcome to Weight Loss and Wellness for Real, the podcast where people like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the physical and mental weight so you can feel better and live the life you want in the body and mind you want. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating, overeating, binging behaviors, and move to a place of freedom with food and your body, you're in the right place. Just a reminder that this podcast represents my own opinions. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your doctor or healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. I hope you are finding something useful from these episodes and this podcast. And if so, please share it with someone else in your life you feel it could benefit. This podcast is also now monetized, so if you really feel you are getting a lot from it and want to help keep it going, please go to the episode show notes. You can just scroll down from wherever you're listening. You'll see a description of the episode, and then you will see it says support this podcast, and then there's a link you can click on. You can click on that link, and that's where you can support the podcast. Even the smallest donation, like 99 cents, helps to keep me producing the podcast. And to those of you who have donated, I really, really appreciate the support. I really do appreciate all of you listening and sharing the space with me. Again, just very thankful for all of you. Hi, friends, and welcome. I am so glad you're here. This is episode 48 of the podcast, Weight Loss and Wellness for Real with Heather Heinen. Today, we are going to talk about how to stop overeating and binging, an issue I know so many of us are struggling with or have struggled with in the past. Before we do get into it, though, just a couple of things. You can head to my website, heatherheinen.com. Heinen is spelled H-E-Y-N-E-N. From there, you can sign up for my monthly newsletter on all things well-being. I also usually include things I'm listening to, things I'm reading, things I've found helpful in my own life. And also when you sign up, you will receive my discount codes for any companies that I am partnering with. Uh, You can also get to my social media handles from there. And please send me an email asking questions um, about anything you'd like incorporated on in this podcast, or if you're listening to my other podcast as well, which is uh, the Heather Heinen Intermittent Fasting podcast. You can email me your questions. Just let me know if you want me to use your first name or keep you anonymous. I will do whatever you want. Uh, Let's see. Anything else? Oh yeah. Just if you're interested in intermittent fasting, I do have a Facebook group with a bunch of us over there. Uh, Come on over to Facebook and you can search for intermittent fasting lifestyle for weight loss, maintenance, and health in the group search tab and we will pop up. Love to have you over there. Also, just to let you know, my voice is a little bit scratchy. We have had a ton of smoke where I live and uh, it is not not helping my voice. So I do kind of apologize for some of that scratchiness going on, but definitely wanted to get this episode out there. 
So overeating and binging. These topics are really close to my heart as personally they have affected me in such a profound way over my lifetime. I have shared some of this on this podcast here and there as well as on my intermittent fasting one. Um, And it really, you know, it really has been something that I have had to work on for a long time and continue to work on in some aspects. Uh, It is something that I work with many, many, many clients on who um, are dealing with overeating, over drinking, binging behaviors. It is a very silent, very shameful struggle. I find many people have such a hard time talking about it. I know I did for for years and years because it's such a sort of this shame behind the behavior. I've talked about it before, um, you know, but I know that for me, my binging behavior was very pervasive for so many years in my life, meaning it sort of took over everything. And in talking to so many clients about this, I know that that's often how it uh, manifests in their own lives. It does sort of like food, the food relationship, the binging, the overeating, the emotional eating, it can sort of start to take over your entire life, even because it kind of gets into all your thoughts. So for example, I wasn't actually always binging, but throughout the day, I would constantly be thinking about binging and then thinking about how not to binge and then fantasizing about binging and then trying to get my thoughts under control so I wouldn't binge and then thinking about all the foods I could eat. You know, it just takes so much energy and your life just sort of slips past you. In in talking to those who struggle with over drinking, this also appears to be a similar pattern. In a way, we can see it as many addictions like overeating, binging behaviors, over drinking, over shopping, gambling, porn, etc. All those behaviors we do that can become very addictive in a way. I personally did a lot of work to figure out why. I was binging, you know, and and my and overeating and using food emotionally and my story had to do with, you know, over exercising and lots and lots of calorie restriction. And and that was due because I was trying to get my body into a place that I believed it had to be in for anyone to love me and and to feel worthy of that love. And so that was many years of figuring that out and quite the journey. And I will just say, it's just kind of a side note here, but you know, I guess I'm just going to mention it to encourage you if you are someone who has not started to work through this or is not sure if you want to because it is very painful or can I shouldn't say that. It's not for, it can be painful, but anyway, side note, um, I just am so grateful at this point that I really did have that struggle for almost 20 years because it really now I'm in that space where I'm able to use that to help so many other people. And that has really brought a lot of purpose to my life. Um, And if I had not gone through that, you know, it's just, well, first of all, I know I wouldn't be able to do, 
I won't be able to help as many people as I'm, I'm able to help get through that journey on their own. It is sort of like, unless you've gone through it, it's really hard to understand it. So at this point, I am so thankful and grateful for that experience because it really does put me in a space of being able, I believe, to be a lot more helpful to my clients who are also dealing with emotional eating, overeating, binging, whatever it may be. Anyway, just to encourage you, if you haven't started on that journey yet, it can be very well worth it. Um, okay, so you know, once though we we kind of do the work of getting to an understanding um, of where our behavior is coming from, because I am a believer that understanding, um, you know, our behaviors and getting clarity of you know, maybe how they started or, or where they came from, that, that clarity and understanding is really an important part, a beginning. But once that clarity and understanding is there, you know, then the question is, well, doesn't our overeating, our emotional eating, our binging behavior just automatically go away? And unfortunately, no, that's not typically the case. Sometimes people experience insight and it just stops it cold. But typically what I see, and it was my experience as well, understanding and clarity is just kind of that first part. Once that is there, you know, there's another process to go through to unwind the behavior. And this is a point I really want to drive home before I continue on with with all this. You can find some pretty well-known books um, on getting over binging or overeating that will tell you that you can... You know, usually it goes like this. When you hear that voice telling you to binge, just say no, and your binging issue is forever solved. And drives me nuts. These authors say, um, there's one author who has this one method, and he says they stopped binging forever. And this is his advice, to call the voice in your head telling you to binge or overeat your pig. So, you know, you're supposed to call that that part of your brain that's telling you to binge or overeat. You're supposed to name it the pig. And this really breaks my heart every time I hear like an influencer or someone in the nutrition world giving his advice to someone suffering with overeating or binging behaviors. First of all, I just want to say that, okay, I just want to say if this worked for him, which, you know, he says it did. That's really awesome because I do know how freeing it is when you figure out a way that helps you stop the binging behavior. So I don't want to take that away from him or anyone else who that may work for. But I'm just going to offer why I believe using this strategy is not the best way and why I also would guess it won't be a forever long-term strategy that works. For most of us, the reason we binge or overeat or emotionally eat has much more to do with um, what I would call deeper beliefs about ourselves. And by the way, this doesn't mean this has to get into all kinds of deep therapy work. What I'm just saying is the reason many of us ha- use a behavior like overeating, emotionally eating, over drinking has to do with deeper beliefs about ourselves. Um, and typically, not always, but typically, these beliefs have a theme around unworthiness, not being good enough, 
um, needing to be perfect to deserve love. You know, we, we carry a belief system due typically to messages we received as children or trauma we received as children, but it can also happen as adults. Like childhood may, may have been awesome and then all of a sudden you're an adult and you're in these relationships. It could be significant other relationships. It could be sibling relationships. It could be adult coworker relationships, but we're in these relationships with others and we get this message that we are not worthy of love or respect or whatever it may be. And if we carry that theme of unworthiness psychologically, we turn to behaviors to try to fill that hole of unworthiness. And we all do it in different ways. It it might be through overworking, so trying to perform or be the best or or working out or trying to be the best at a sport or other addictions like shopping because, you know, in the moment, shopping gives us an escape from that feeling or eating or drinking or sex, even worrying. And yes, worrying is a habit of the brain. Um... You know, all these are used to momentarily escape from the feeling of unworthiness and the depressive and anxious feelings that go along with that belief system. So if we use the cognitive strategy, back to my author, who I have an issue with, if we use the cognitive strategy of calling the thought urge in our brain, you know, the thought and the urge that come up in our brain telling us to binge, if if we call that voice pig, I just don't see that calling something that is coming through us as something as, you know, that's so negative and so demeaning as pig as helpful or useful. If we are working on creating acceptance and love of ourselves, which is actually the deep solve to binging and overeating, then calling a part of us pig, I I just don't see it as a long-term solution. Now, I recognize, like I said, this method may work for some, and if you're listening and it's worked for you, then that's awesome. I just know that for many of us, our behaviors we are trying to quit but can't require actually the opposite, which is more compassion. Okay, so that was a little bit of a tangent. So just to recap before moving on, I do believe if we suffer with an addiction of any kind, there is deeper work to do around that and that does not need to take very long. Again, just because it's deeper issues does not mean like tons and tons of deep therapy. If you work with a good therapist, they will be able to partner with you to help you get to your understanding and clarity pretty quickly about why the behavior started and why it's happening. For some of you, even self-coaching through journaling can get you there. Um, Or talking with a trusted friend can get you there. It can be anything from, you know, you may come up with anything from a deeply traumatic childhood to simply, it could be something like you go off to college, you feel homesick, and you begin eating to kind of fill that homesick void. And pretty soon, you know, the binging or the overeating brings you comfort. And and then all of a sudden it's a habit. Point is, you know, you want to know your narrative and why it started to give your brain the clarity and understanding our brains really need to move into the next phase of changing the actual behavior. So once you know your why, or even if you don't quite understand it yet, you can still apply the cognitive strategies that I'm going to talk about coming up. This is very brain-based and very neutral, meaning this, this strategy does not have a lot 
to do with emotion. We're looking to keep emotions very neutral around this subject. When we do that, it helps us separate ourselves from cues and triggers coming up that create all the emotion that launches us into the behaviors we don't really want to be doing. So so here's an example. I have the thought binging would feel so good right now. Eating would feel so good right now. This thought triggers emotion, which is probably something along the lines of elation, excitement, anticipation. And remember, every feeling has a chemical cocktail sensation package attached to it that runs through our body. So now, even physically, those feel-good sensations are coursing through my, my body that come along for the ride with these emotions, that sense of humming throughout our bodies, that settled and relaxed sensation in our stomachs, in our limbs. So now we feel good. Our bodies have wonderful sensations moving through them. So now that thought, remember the thought, you know, thinking about binging or eating is now linked to this amazing biochemical response. And although this feels really good in the moment, we want to unlink it because there are so many consequences of the binging and overeating behavior that we don't want. So if we are, so if we're trying to stop binging, overeating, an addictive behavior, drinking, smoking, we need to unlink the feel-good sensations and feelings that we experience from having that thought. And to do that, we need calm. We need neutral feelings linked instead to the thoughts. And to do that, we need new thoughts that do not create this cascade of feel-good sensations anticipating our addictive behavior of choice. So we need to unwind it. Our goal is that when the thoughts, like things like um, binging would feel so good right now, or eating more of that would feel so good, or I just don't want to stop eating that, or you should get a bunch of food and just indulge, you've had a hard day, you deserve it, or you can have another drink, you only had two yesterday, so four today won't matter. That average is out to be just three a night. So when thoughts like this occur, we our goal is to get the feelings attached to those thoughts to be neutral and not anticipatory, not that feel-good excitement um, behind them. And really, this gets into dopamine, and, and that's a whole other tangent, but just understanding that dopamine is what drives us to reward. So what we're looking to do is to lower that dopamine response, that anticipatory, motivating behavior to engage in those behaviors that we really actually do not want to be engaging in. So the idea here is we're trying to lessen that dopamine response. Um, and to do that, we need to be working on our thinking because our thinking creates feelings, which creates the sensations, which mo- motivates our behavior. So how to begin to do this? And I'm just going to go through a very basic process of this, just meaning that there is more to this than what I can go into here. But even some of these basic ideas um, typically start to help many people begin this work. It, it gives them a different framework on their behavior, that whole thing on why do I do the thing I wish most I wasn't doing. So the first idea to start to incorporate into your thinking is 
we no longer call this an addiction. So we do not call our binging, our overeating, our overdrinking. We do not use the word addiction. We call it a habit and or an urge. So a habit or an urge. There is power in the language we choose to use. When we say, write, or think the word addiction, our brain hears the message, ooh, addiction, that's a huge deal. It's going to be really hard to break that. Notice notice the emotion behind the word addiction. And this is what I'm talking about. We're trying to neutralize the emotion. So we need to neutralize the language we choose. So, you know, the brain hears the word addiction. It's like, oh, it's a big, de- big, huge deal. Addiction. We're never going to be able to change it. Addictions are so huge. They're major. No. We need to get our brain on board with us. We need to get our brain working for us on what we want. We don't want to perform the behavior anymore. So we need more neutral language. Habit or urge is much more neutral and gives the brain a better sense of calm. So no more using the word addiction. We now use the word habit. You're overeating or you're binging behavior. You're overdrinking. You're worrying. It is a habit and we have ways to break habits. It takes some time and work, but it can be done. Neutral language. Okay, next idea. We give in to these habits of thought, these urges, because it is the only way we know how to end that horrible tension created by them. Urges are an awful, awful feeling. You know, the urge to text your boyfriend to get reassurance, even though you know your constant need for reassurance from him is hurting your relationship. The urge to keep going over and over a situation you are worrying about, even though you have no control over it. The urge to eat more, even though you are stuffed. You do the thing you don't want to do because in the moment, the urge feels so terrible. So in the moment, you will do anything to get out of that awful urge feeling. Neurologically, your, your habit, this urge, I want you to think of it as an, it lives in the lower brain, the lower part of your brain. So I want you to picture your brain. You have a lower brain. This part of your brain, it is the oldest Um, the most primal, most primitive part. You may have heard the term, the reptilian brain. That's what we're talking about. It's called this because it is present in most reptiles or, you know, I guess what we would say, not so evolved, if you will, animals. This part of your brain, the lower brain, it's habitual and it is unintelligent. It is not conscious. It It does not have the capacity for logic or for reasoning. It is simply... Think of it this way. It is simply a pattern producing machine. This is where your fight or flight or freeze response is located. It stems to your sympathetic nervous system. It generates the drive for food, water, air, and anything else it believes it needs to survive. So when you have a deeply ingrained habit, this part of your brain, this lower brain, It acts as if your habit is necessary for survival. And that is why it produces the incredibly strong urges to keep your habit going. 
And really, if you think about it, this actually makes so much sense, right? If this part of your brain has, over time, come to find out you feel better, safe, and relaxed when you perform your habit, it is going to try to take care of you by getting you to do your habit. Your habit, the urge is actually trying hard to take care of you. And that is why I don't want you to call this your inner pig or your pig or any other derogatory name. I really believe we need to have compassion um, compassion for ourselves to create calm for this part of our brain. If we get into labeling this part of our brain, our inner pig, we just create more feelings of disgust and resistance and anxiety. And these are the exact feelings we are working to get through and beyond in order to create more calm. We, we want to actually calm this part of our brain down. We, we want it to feel safe so it stops sending out all the urges to perform our habit that it believes it needs us to do to feel safe. Our lower brain is actually really important because it protects us. It wants us, It wants to keep us feeling safe. That is its goal. It's just that it is using a habit that gets us feeling good in the moment but is incredibly detrimental to our overall well-being right after that moment. But this lower part of our brain, it can't recognize this because it doesn't have logic. It can't recognize the long-term consequences because it doesn't have that neural net network to do this. It is only reactive and automatic. It, 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 like I said, it, it doesn't have the capability be, to be logical. It's not conscious. This is why we often feel like, you know, you in quotation marks are being controlled by something that's not truly you. The, the wise part of you does not want to keep living this way. It doesn't want to keep living with the habit that has all these consequences for you. But, you know, you we get very focused on the very temporary functioning of the lower brain. You know, so you don't see a way out. You feel like you can't resist. You can't say no. You must follow through on the urge. You now... I hope, understand why this is. Your lower brain is trying to take, you know, take care of you and get you safe. So we feel like we don't have a choice in the moment because of the urge. It just feels so life and death, but we actually do. In the moment, we act on the urges of our lower brain. We binge, we smoke, we drink more. We send the text, we worry, because in the moment, we see it as the best way to feel better. In this moment, we don't realize we have a choice. But the reality is, the the truth is, our thoughts cannot make us walk to the fridge. Our thoughts cannot make us grab the bag of cookies. Our thoughts cannot make us lift the glass to our mouth. We actually need our higher brain to do these things. We need our higher brain to make these physical actions occur. So your lower brain can only give you messages or thoughts through urges. So we convince ourselves that if we don't act on these urges, horrible, horrible things are going to happen. I mean, that really is how it feels in the moment. But this is actually not true at all. It feels like it in the moment. 
But just because we are feeling something does not mean it is true. And by the way, that's an important principle to apply to every aspect of our lives. Feelings are important. They do signal that something is going on, but they are not always true. And when it comes to urges to do the things that bring us detrimental consequences after the behavior is performed, um, you know, so I give the, I, I get the urge to overeat. And so I do. And then I feel awful shortly afterwards. And, you know, then also over time, I also carry around a lot of extra weight on my body that physically harms me or makes me feel not good. So I, and I desperately want it off. This is, you know, especially the case, the, the feeling that I will die if I do not give in to the urge is completely untrue. It feels true. It feels life and death in the moment, but it's not. So here's a great metaphor from acceptance and commitment therapy that I use a lot with clients. Imagine you are driving your car and approaching a red light and you have someone in the back seat screaming in your ear, go, 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 run through the red light, just do it, do it. The screams are loud and really annoying, but you are the one driving. You are the one holding on to the wheel. You are the one in control. So no amount of screaming from the back seat can actually make you run the red light. Your habitual lower brain, you know, that thought, the urge, that's the backseat screamer. And your higher brain is the driver. So we do actually have control. It just feels like we don't in the moment of an urge. We have the emotion that we don't have control. So dismissing habitual thoughts is actually an option. And I'm not at all saying this is easy at first, but understanding it is an option gets you started on a different path of breaking your habit. You know, a new way to start thinking about this, the urge feeling is actually super helpful and useful. I know we don't like it, but if we can start to see it, it doesn't feel good, but if we can start to see it as helpful and useful, uh, we can really start to change our behavior because we start thinking in a different way. So the way it is helpful and useful is that it is an early warning sign. It's It's a cue to us, a signal telling us to slow down And maybe to get really curious or to get really suspicious about the way we are using our thoughts. So it is a signal to slow down and look at our thoughts. So when that urge comes on, the urge to overeat, the urge to overdrink, the urge feeling, remember, it is just a feeling. But when that comes on, that can cue us to be like, oh, wow, there's that urge feeling again. feels terrible. But oh yeah, that is my cue that I maybe need to take a deep breath and slow down. And then, you know, look at my thoughts a little bit. Get curious. I must be using my thoughts in an interesting way right now. And in fact, our minds actually clear thoughts on its own. So, you know, there are things you can do to help clear those thoughts quickly. But the truth is, our minds actually do clear themselves eventually on their own. So when you experience an urge, 
you can take a breath and you can just wait. You will find your mind will eventually settle. Another metaphor I love is this one. Um, Imagine a snow globe being shaken up. This is, you know, when your mind is in that frenzied thoughts, urges running around in your mind. It's just like a snow globe being shaken up. If you just wait and watch, the snow will eventually all settle back to the ground. And this is the same with your mind. Your thoughts, your urges, the sensations, the feelings, it all eventually settles. Okay, so we talked about that awareness, understanding, and clarity surrounding our habit is important work to be done in our lives, but that we can also begin this other thought work at any time. We discussed why using the word habit and not using the word addiction is important as we talk to ourselves or write about this or talk to trusted others about this, as well as working and practicing using neutral and not highly emotional or dramatic language around this. We, we discussed why understanding our lower brain and how it is simply trying to take care of us is an important process to incorporate into, into our belief systems around our habit, and especially the urge feeling, which feels like life and death in the moment, but it's not, and that it can actually be really helpful as a signal. It can be very useful as a cue when it's happening. We can use the urge feeling as a way to signal us that, hey, we can slow down here. We can take a breath and just wait for our thoughts and the urge to settle and dissipate because it will. With all that said, again, I am not saying this is easy. Again, this is actually a skill. This way of thinking, feeling, and behaving around our habits and urges in order to change the habit takes practice. And here's the truth, you guys. Some days you are going to practice this and you're going to be successful. And other days you're going to say, screw it, and you're going to give in to the urge. I still give in to the urge sometimes, and I've been practicing this stuff for years and years, but the difference is when I do give in to the urge, it's just not a big deal anymore. I don't shame myself for it. I don't get into all of that. I just recognize it's like, yeah, well, you know, I was extra tired or something because I gave in, in, gave in to the urge, and I just move on. The, the difference is I don't get into that shame cycle and then repeat the behavior the next day, the next day, you know? So it does still happen, but practicing this takes away um, the frequency of it. What I can also tell you is that learning all this stuff and incorporating it into more of your thinking around your habits and urges, just starting to incorporate this different way of thinking around the habits and urges, it does start to take that intensity of the urge and the frequency of the urges away. And just having a couple less or or ones that are less intense is really, really worth it. It really helps you, you learn this skill quicker and quicker and get into a space of finding freedom from your habit. There is definitely more to all this, but I am going to end this topic for now as this has gotten kind of long, but I will talk more about this in the future as I know from the feedback I'm getting, this is where so many of you want the help. So 
Thank you for listening and for sharing this space with me. I cannot um, get over how this community has responded to what I'm putting out there. And it just makes me really grateful for all of you. Talk soon. Did you know you can find a lot more help from me on my website? Go to heatherheinen.com. Heinen is spelled H-E-Y-N-E-N. And get in touch with questions on all things I offer, like online courses for overeating, weight loss, goal attainment, and also my coaching and counseling services. Thank you.